What's your name? Sally. How old are you, Sally? I am seven, but in a week I'll be eight. Sally, what does it mean to take care of yourself? Um, it means like don't eat a lot of salt because that could damage your heart. Um, don't be rude to yourself or then you'll be sad or hurt. And um, don't let other people bother you, like at school or in your house or at work. Can you take your video? <laughs> Can we start over? Welcome to the Lisa Show, where we take a good look at life. There's a universal struggle that we parents have, and that is, when do you know when to take care of our needs and when to take care of our kids? Our kids' needs seem constant, relentless, right? Ongoing and always changing, so it's hard to navigate that decision. So how do we navigate that balance and remain a good, positive parent while taking care of our own needs and taking care of ourselves when there just isn't enough time. And that's what I'm going to tackle today. I'll be talking with therapist Jamie Ballard and the Council of Moms with specifics on how to let go as a form of self-care and we'll have more kids' takes on self-care. I had a long conversation with therapist Jamie Ballard that I really enjoyed, and I love how she shared specifics on how to preemptively let go of that mom guilt and set her own self up for success. My husband and I spend 10 minutes every day with our kids that we call special time. They get to choose what we do, and it's just 10 minutes focused completely on them. And... Sometimes with my daughter, that means that we just watch her build Legos for 10 minutes. That's what she wants us to do. Oh, man, I'd have to practice <laughs> build up to that. <laughs> like, don't roll my eyes. Don't roll my eyes. Oh, exactly. okay. <laughs> and we started that for the kids, but that's been really powerful self-care for me because it's intentional, mindful time yeah. with my kids. I almost always end up really enjoying it. It's actually really sweet. Yeah. Later on in the day when my mom guilt kicks in, (laughs) I can just remind myself, I did 10 minutes of mindful time with my kids. I've at least got that today, you know? Yeah. So that's that's been powerful for me. Have you, as your children get older, have you discovered their sort of self-care like moments or what they're good at? And how do you sort of encourage them to do that at that age? Yeah. One of the things, we've done this as part of a Monday night family night, a family home evening. We have practiced different kinds of self-care. It's always best to practice those when you're not upset. It's really hard to learn something new when you're upset. So you have to learn it when you're calm. And so we've practiced a lot of different things. We've practiced 
being mindful, listening for five sounds that you can hear around you. We've practiced different deep breathing techniques, things like that. But our kids definitely have very different styles. My daughter is very tactile physical. She wants a hug most of the time, and that will help her to calm down. My son is very rational, and he wants to have a cognitive way of dealing with things. If he has nightmares, he wants three things that he can think of to try to work through. Here in Minnesota, the schools have also really been working on having more self-care and self-calming tips in the school. And so we've also been working on reinforcing those. And actually this weekend while we were sick, my daughter hates taking medicine, hates it. It's really (laughs) rough. So in the middle of our last half hour crying episode over taking this medicine, she stopped and started doing finger breathing where you breathe in while you trace up your finger and you breathe out while you breathe down. And it was really beautiful that she had learned that and she could think of it and and use it. That wasn't me. That was her teacher. But I can reinforce it and say, this is so cool that you know how to do this and look how much calmer you are now that you've done it. Oh, I do love that. Like something, again, that's like practical. What do you think it means to take care of yourself? Um, I... Um, feed yourself like every day. Don't eat too much meat. Drink smoothies. Okay. Get enough sleep. Parkour. Going outside and jumping on the tramp and running around. Welcome to the Council of Moms, where we really get to the heart of the matter, because as moms, we love so much. And so we know the stakes are high. We're here to share our best ideas. And today we have Jeanette Bennett. I'm a mother of five. I'm in all the stages of motherhood right now. (laughs) How fun for you. My oldest, who are married, done with college. I don't have grandbabies yet. They tell me that dogs are the new kids and plants are the new dogs or something like that. So I have plants and a dog running around my house. (laughs) Uh, I have a son on a a church mission, a senior in high school, and a 10-year-old. So I love it. I'm not the mom I thought I'd be Uh, in some ways. Well, maybe in all ways worse. (laughs) Stop. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we'll get to no, that I, I just, I just thought I would be really organized and fun and have, you know, a plan for every day that got followed exactly and kids that thought like I did. Yeah, me too. Yeah. That was fun uh-huh. when we imagined that. <laughs> yes, yes. I was at a mom summit a few days ago and there was this session with, with two sets of parents that both had a toddler and they were talking about how to do technology with kids. And I'm like, I can't even listen to this. Wow. You guys have no idea. Have I mean, no idea. you guys yeah. are great, but you don't know what you don't know. Wait. Yeah. Don't you, I didn't know. I, who knew that it was going to be so soon until I got to the, well, we'll see. We'll see about that. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. a cute idea. Call me in 10 years. Aren't we'll you talk. darling? <laughs> and also with us. I'm Angie King. I also, I'm like Jeanette. I have five kids. Oldest is 22. I have a 22-year-old daughter, 20-year-old son, senior in high school daughter, um, a 13-year-old son in junior high, and then a 10-year-old in elementary. So I'm in the same boat of a lot of worlds. But the difference for me, Jeanette, is that I have them all at home. They are all living at home right now, which is super cute and fun. (laughs) So it's just very up close and personal to the adult problems, which the adult children problems, which has been 
fun. Mm, I, I get that. And I really, I remember the day that I realized my kids have a group text without me. Oh. <laughs> and oh, you know like, they do because oh, we have no. one without our parents. <laughs> exactly. But like, not us. We're the cool parents. So I'm like, what are they, what are they, what yeah, do you say? What do you guys say? What do you say about me over there? Have you your kids that though? I've asked my kids like, so when you guys like talk about like <laughs> me as a mom and parenting, like what do you? What do you guys like say? What do you tease? And they look at me like, are you kidding? Oh, like my kids will tell, tell you. <laughs> oh, my kids will tell me and they'll all laugh. And I'm just. <sighs> What's worse? I don't Because we're kind of a family of teasers. So I think that sometimes they tease me. And most of the time it's safe. But sometimes I'm like, I'm trying. I'm sorry I forget. I'm old. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they do tease me about how I, I don't hear anything. What? Same. What? Same. Come I again? I can't I'm like two oh. noises at once. Yeah. I'm turning, I'm in that phase. Like the TV's on and they're talking to me. I'm like, shh. Turn well, that and TV the down. irony the TV is, down. is the reason why we're so frazzled is because of them. Yeah. <laughs> they did it to us. Yes. That's why I'm so tired and I can't hear anything. It's true. Imagine. But we, we love them. Imagine if we had a group text without them, yeah, with ourselves. I'm starting one now. <laughs> we'll hey, start a group te- that's, text. That's what this is today. This is our group text <laughs> without this our kids. Council yes. and Mom is, is a group text revenge. Hey, listen, we know. Yes, we're going to share memes, gifts. Yeah. All sorts Welcome of things. Welcome to the Lisa <laughs> show. <laughs> <laughs> so, I um just experienced this kind of stage in parenting that I I didn't realize that it happened until it's sort of like gone. Does that sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Um that I had a trampoline, right? And I'm from the Midwest. Nobody has a trampoline, but everybody in the West has a trampoline and we got there and I was like nervous about it and Anyway, after a long discussion, we all got a trampoline. And it was probably like the best thing for my five kids. They're just, it's so great. They they played on it together. A lot of family memories, like so great. No one got hurt, knock on wood. (laughs) They're so dangerous. Then I assumed once my kids got to be a certain age, we would be done with a trampoline. And in fact, um, just this last summer, there was a rip in the padding uh, or the mat in the middle of it. And I thought, well, you know, oh, that was that was a nice thing when my kids were little. And now it's time to take down the trampoline and that's The end of a chapter. As a, an end of the mm-hmm. chapter. And I sort of said something wistfully. And my kids who are—I have two kids at home right now, a 17-year-old and a 14-year-old. They were like, no, you have to fix it. No, we, we use the trampoline. And it— Made me pause because I just thought, oh no, why would why would I get a new mat? I don't have any grandchildren, <laughs> and my you know, and most of my kids are grown. And then I stopped and I thought about all of the stress and anxiety and depression that my kids have had to deal with over the last couple of years because of the pandemic, because of the loss of their father, because of just adolescence, you know, because of a bazillion things, and I failed to really notice that they both would go out on that trampoline almost every day and either lay on it and look in the sky or just jump and put their ear pods in and just listen to their music. And this was a way that I realized that they were sort of self-regulating, that they were just having some time to themselves. And it's not just because they don't have anything better to do. What they're doing Mm -hmm. is they're taking care. Like, this is a mental health thing. Like, this is something that um, they have discovered on their own. And I just, I don't know, I was really, like, struck by that. It was a kind of an emotional sort of, like, realization of, like, I'm so glad that they have that and that they were able to discover that on their own. So, of course, I'm going to get a new mat. And I did, and and we've since replaced it. It's freezing outside, Mm -hmm. and they still go out. 
and jump and just have that time by themselves. In fact, sometimes, you know, one of my kids will come and just say, I'll say, how was school or how was everything? Fine. Hey, I'm just going to go jump on the tramp for a minute and then I'll be back. And it's just like sort of our speak for, good, you are expressing what you need. It's completely reasonable. It's healthy. You're taking care of it. And I'll see you in a minute kind of thing. And I'm just curious if you have a trampoline story or how have you taught maybe your kids how to self-regulate, how to take care of themselves, how to care for themselves in little things? Are there things that you've noticed that they've done that are different than yours? Did you consciously teach that? Or was it something that just sort of presented itself? I love that. A moment of silence for that story. Same. Do we have a story like that? (laughs) I don't know, Charles Dickens. (laughs) For me, what's interesting is, like I said earlier, I have everyone home right now. And it's kind of chaotic, kind of crazy. And I was noticing that my kids would text me, what are we having for dinner tonight? And I am not a good dinner planner maker. And initially I was like, this is really annoying adult children. Why are you texting me what we're having? for? How about you make dinner? You know, I kind of got resentful about it. But then I realized when I make dinner, I noticed that my kids, it really comforts them. And it doesn't even have to be good, but when I, when they come home and not to sound like a 1950s housewife, but there is something like connecting in that is time we spend together. And I'm not super great at it. It's just something I've been doing this last month. I've been trying really hard to just create some kind of meal plan. Even if they're coming in and out, there's something there that's home and homemade, healthy-ish. And I've, I've noticed that has been comforting to them is that consistency. And for me, I've realized before when I would do it really begrudgingly because I don't like to cook, it just... I've realized I can do it with a lot of love because it's something that really does soothe them mm-hmm. and really, like like you said, it helps them escape from whatever stress or, you know, the self-care well, they need. And it reminds them to nourish themselves totally. to, to stop. How many times do we need to stop and be like, when's the last time you ate? Like, what did you right. eat? What are you putting in your mm-hmm. body? Like, as a fundamental of self-care. Right. It's crazy that this is a topic, but on the way here today, I have a daughter that's a senior, and she's incredible. She just got first attendant in state drill. She's getting recruited by colleges all over the country for dance. She's brilliant at what she does. But this girl is stressed out. I got a text from her this morning, Mom, I am so stressed out. I am mentally exhausted. And it's so hard because in my mind, I'm like, okay, let's let's check you out of school. Let's do all these things. But she can't right now, right? Mm-hmm. She has to go to her classes and take her tests, and then she's got practice. And she can't—she's in the middle—she's in this momentous moment. And I thought about it. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make her dinner tonight. I'm going to take it over to drill because that's how I can help her in just a small way— feel that like comfort and and love that she needs even when she can't pause. So, but how great that she could send you a text totally. and she could connect instead of internalizing that alone, be able yeah. to send a text to you saying this is what I'm feeling. Right. Like, yeah. I, I mean that's huge. That that right. really shows a lot of trust. Yeah. I mean it's pivotal, right? Making sure that they drink enough water, that they're eating well, yeah. that they are sleeping, that they can ask for help. All those like certain basic foundational items of like taking just being a grown up and taking care of yourself that we're trying to teach our kids. You know, it's it's not one and done. You just have to continually adjust and try to do it in a different way and show them a a different way to do it and how to adapt and how to change or how to, you know, if you're not doing it well, try again and try something different. 
Yeah. So I'm curious as to like your relationship with your kids and when they are stressed out and and things aren't going well, um, when they come to you, how did you develop that kind of trust so that they would come and say, hey, I'm having a hard time? I think it's built over time for sure. And there are also times when that trust has been broken and then there's, you know, rebuilding it is a whole nother thing. But I think the main thing that I've, I've realized, and it's different with each kid, but most of my kids don't want me to solve their problem. Yeah. They just, they want to be validated. That is hard. That's a lot. That's a lot of math. That's, that's high expectations. I can see, you know, that teacher that's expecting a lot. I get that. Instead of, what I sometimes want to say, which is, you should have started that last week, yeah. you know? <laughs> I'll get you a tutor. <laughs> How many times yeah. have I said that? They look at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and Mr. All- So-and-so around the block, he's really good at math. Let's yeah. bring him Let's in. Let's call him in. <laughs> oh, jeez. like, Mom, no. No, so I, I, I also think just looking in their eyes, which is something I've been working on, is giving them time and my actual attention. It's so easy to just be on my phone or my laptop and be talking to them across the room. Mm -hmm. But if I really, I have to tell myself to do this, put everything down and look at them and smile at them. Like try and calm them down. Usually what they're stressed about, um, I try and help them see, you know, it's going to be okay. So what if you, so what if you don't, you know, up your ACT score by five points? It's it's okay. Yeah. You know, I've become that person where the things I thought really mattered really don't. And so I guess I'm trying to teach my kids what it took me a very long time to learn and um, develop the trust that way. But the, the other thing is when I when they ask my advice and I say, I give my advice, but then I'm like, but it's your choice. Mm-hmm. I feel like it is important to honor. And if they do the thing you didn't want them to do, well, you told them it was their choice. You know, you have to back it up. too. Yeah. Even my 10 year old, she's taught me a little bit about this, too, because I'll say things to her like, do you want to go to your sister's performance? Yeah. And she'll be like, no. (laughs) I'm like, oh, well, we're going. You're you're going. It's (laughs) like, well, why did you even ask me? Yeah. So I've learned to not ask a question if I have already decided the answer. If the answer has been determined, because that breaks their trust. If you're like, I do that. I give you a choice, but then I take away the choice. Mm -hmm. So I try to. Decide when I'm giving them choices and then honor whatever it is. You know, let them make the Ooh, choice. And that's, that's harder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. My daughter got a a, <laughs> a piercing that I wasn't expecting. Second, <laughs> second piercing in her ear. Before she did it, she says, how do you, what do you think? And I'm like, well, I think that's a bad idea. You know, I yeah. for this reason, that reason. But it's your choice. Oh, okay. And she did it. And then I had to be like, I can't say anything because I did tell her it was her choice. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. And it, it's so funny. There's so many things like that in parenting that I thought for sure that I, you know, like if I would have never said this to my mom or my mom would never, you know, I don't know. You just kind of think like you had said earlier that your kids think like you do and they don't. They <laughs> They're don't. their own people. <laughs> and I have learned to choose my battles then more carefully, like of saying, oh, no, 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 in our house we don't do this, or we do do this, whatever it is. But just, you can only pick a couple. You can't, like, other things like, yeah, another piercing or, you know, it's right. just out the And it's hard if you've given the them the impression that they do have the, the option, and then you then you take it take away. Take it away. I think that's where trust gets broken. I think that's mm-hmm. when relationships, the walls go up, because they're like, oh, well, she really does have a prescriptive way she wants me to live. So why would I even talk it over with her? Mm-hmm. I know what she's going to say and whatever. Yeah. 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 It's I, hard. I think I think trust is really hard to build with your kids. I, I think to develop a culture of just 
unconditional love, as hard as that can be sometimes. So it really struck me with my kids. Am I showing them? Am I, am I a safe place? Will I love them no matter what? And I think I've tried really hard, but there are times when your kids will tell you something and you're like, you got a second piercing. You're so dumb. Why did you do this? You know, <laughs> instead of just, that's a choice, mm-hmm. you know? I don't know. It's really hard. Well, and then when they don't live in your house and they're adults and they go on and they make choices about how to live their life and do things that you taught them not to or they don't do things that you taught them to do. I mean, that's that's universal, right? With every parent-child relationship. Then what your reaction is, then I think completely determines whether they'll come to you if they're having a hard time. Well, I think another thing we can do, too, to build trust, this happened this weekend, is sometimes, I don't know if your kids come to you and say, I have this friend and this friend. This happened with this friend. Oh, yeah. Whatever. I think sometimes they're really watching for our reactions. A hundred percent. And this weekend, my daughter, my oldest daughter, was telling me something, a problem, an issue one of her friends was having, a pretty serious issue one of her girlfriends was having. And and I I sincerely said this and meant it, but she's she's my my daughter said she called me because she, you know she can't call her mom, and I'm like, Bella, she should absolutely call her mom because her mom loves her. Mm-hmm. Her mom will help her. Her mom will do what needs to be done to. Help. She knows her daughter the very best, yeah. and I'm glad she can go to you and and talk to you. And I hope you can provide comfort and good advice. But I hope she knows. I hope you tell her that her mom loves her and that her mom will talk to her. And then I said, and then if her mom isn't nice, then she can call me because, yeah. right? Cool. I think they're waiting. I think they're watching sometimes mm-hmm. to see how we'll react. Yeah. I think they also when they tell us something in confidence. It's so essential we keep that confidence if they find out that we've told, you know, our spouse, even if, you know, if we weren't supposed to or their siblings or our friends and then they hear it somewhere else. That's that betrays trust. Agreed. And I also feel like it's important for us. And sometimes this is hard, but to not tell one of the kids about the sibling, either how you're feeling about the sibling, if you're upset or something that they are struggling with or whatever. But if you keep those confidences, I think that group text they have without us (laughs) will be kinder. I agree. (laughs) I think that's so wise because I've made that mistake before. Just yeah, confiding in oh, one kid about the yeah. other kid. Sophie's called shouldn't... me 12 times today. She's so needy. And then mm-hmm. later on, mm-hmm. you know, she'll be arguing at the sibling I told that to. Mom thinks you're so needy, you know? <sighs> yeah. And you're like, dang it, why did I say that? Because no. it's true, I did say that. Yeah, no. and you just can never take it back. Then they, it's always like in the back of their mind. And not that we have to always, you know, be perfect. and We're going to make mistakes and things like that. But I do think that that confidence is important. It's yes. interesting because also they're on different developmental you know, ages. I remember one of my younger kids came to me and said, why didn't you ever tell me about that this happened with, you know, the older siblings? And I just looked at him and said, because it's none of your business. That's true. And also when it happened, you were a little kid. And so you didn't need to know about it, you know. That happens more with my oldest talking about my little kids. But I think that's an oldest child characteristic. Don't you think? Yeah, I I was an oldest. It's like, why would, I'm the oldest. I'm the third parent. Yeah. (laughs) Why wouldn't you inform me? I was not (laughs) advised. You didn't didn't ask for my counsel. (laughs) It's so true, you know, because those family relationships, they're so, it's so easy to get enmeshed, right? And tangled up um, because you love so much. You spend so much time together. but, But it is important, I think, to model that like appropriate adult child relationship. And that's part of like your emotional self-care. That's what they're modeling, you know, you're modeling all the time in your home. 
And when they leave, they can choose whether or not to have a relationship or not. You know, That's those so Sunday true. dinners, I think we all want our kids back as much as possible. But I hear among my young adults and their friends, some of them begrudging, oh, I have to go to, have to my go. mom's once once a month. And I'm like, I don't want yeah, my kids to feel that same. way. I don't want them to feel obligation, but I do want them to feel hopefully desire to be back in a safe, happy place. Yeah, It is on me to create that happy place, but then I have to honor their their choices. You know, agency, I feel like as parents, we have this notion that like, we can take away their agency, but we didn't give them their agency. Yeah. You know, a higher being gave them their agency. So that's not, that's above our our abilities actually to control their agency. So, I mean, we can have rules and we can have family expectations, but that was never really in our ability. No, but I feel like that has really affected the way that I've parented though. Like my own spirituality, my own relationship with God. And when I think about the trust and the love and, that I feel like God has for me and what I feel like is the purpose of life or the purpose of my life, which is really just to love others, right? Period. If you look at like the first two commandments and I think about that a lot, I think, well, am I oversimplifying it? And I think, I don't think I am. No. I think mm-hmm. that's kind of it. And as a mother, man, it's like the perfect laboratory to like work that out, isn't it? Just to sort of see it. And I and I feel like I want so badly for my children to feel that they are loved not just by me, but by God, right? And to have that kind of spiritual connection. And again, that's not something you can force, that and, you can only invite. And, and that's hard. And don't you think I mean, not to make it scary, but if your kids <laughs> don't feel that love from you, they're, how are they ever going to feel it from God? Yeah, I, I do think that. And so I think, gosh, I think that's so pivotal. It's just so tricky. Oh, that's it's a so tricky. Yeah, because as parents, I mean, that is our, I mean, that's a sacred responsibility. Yeah. Because we are introducing them to to that, either whether we teach it or not, you know, explicitly of how they are valued and how they are seen and where they're first right. sort of teachers. Yeah. So of if that. they're always feeling like, oh, I think mom might be mad. If they're yeah, always yeah. feeling like we're we're on edge and we're judging them and the checklist is this and the it's razor's edge, they are going to associate that yeah. indirectly or directly with their heavenly parents. I, I, I think I think so. heavenly parents are always mad at me when that's not the case. So if we can always be like, this is a loving place, mm-hmm. you know. Where we remember, are going to make mistakes, but right. it's okay. I don't know about you guys, but do you feel like the older your children get, the less, not that I'm judgmental, but the less judgmental I am of other moms? Oh, yeah. I think I'm that's absolutely. important to put out there. That Very vital. The older in your motherhood that you become, the less you even bat an eye. And I, I almost want to indicate that to other moms as soon as, possible of, upon meeting them. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a safe place. Yes. Oh, you've been through some stuff things. Uh, you've been through some rough things. Hit me. What do you got? Yeah. Done it. Experienced it. Like, mm-hmm. n- not like, you know, trying to one up, but also just being like, oh, this is safe. Yeah. Yes. Nobody knows what we're doing. They're doing. Because when kids are little, it's not, it seems socially acceptable to say, oh, my my son won't eat greens, you know? Yeah. And other moms are like, same, same. It's like a conversation starter. But when you your kids are older, it doesn't feel as socially acceptable to be like, my child got a double piercing, you know? <laughs> my kid right? might not graduate from high school. Yeah, my child, yes. Yeah. Well, my, my child is- failed a class or yeah. my child doesn't want to go to college. Mm-hmm. Those seem like taboo topics. But I think, it, gosh, our community 
of women could be so much healthier if we knew that we could we were safe. There was no judgment. It, and yeah, really, it like, there's oh, connection. Okay. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You got to find your own council of moms. You do. Is what I think, right? Mm-hmm. Where you can bring the things that are heavy on your heart and that you're saying— I mean, and this is this is especially important for me now because I don't have a partner. I, I have to check in with other adults. Like, this happened. I said this. Is that okay? Yeah. Right. And then when you feel that strength, you can go back to your kid and, yeah. mm-hmm. and love them. You know, I, I feel like our kids sometimes lose trust in us or think they do if we've violated something that upset them. Yeah. But we have to be those parents that always give them more trust than they probably deserve (laughs) and forgive quickly so that we can maintain that trust and regain it as quickly as possible. I feel like we don't have the luxury Mm -mm. of holding any grudges or Mm -hmm. withholding trust. We have to grant it, grant it, grant it, even when it's not warranted. I think so too. We've had a lot of discussions um, just sort of with parents of different with kids that are like ready to launch or have launched. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and the feelings of, I think that most parents have of, oh, it's just like, have I taught them everything? This just is overwhelming, right? Oh, <laughs> and it yes. makes you really like reflective of what you do before that, that kind of happens. Mm-hmm. So just to give you a little bit of background, we've been having these conversations about how you balance sort of trust so that your kids will come to you and and talk to you when they have a mental health need or, you know, a concern, whatever it is, and how you balance like, hey, I trust you, but also enabling sort of parameters or rules and boundaries. And, and especially when you're dealing with um, like teaching them how to take care of themselves knowing that they're so close to just sort of being on their own. Um, I guess my question is, is that how do you balance sort of that trust and those enabling sort of parameters um, as your kids get older? Oh, that's a great question. And I'll say that what you've just talked about is completely precisely backed up by the research that parents who can monitor their kids, be watching what their kids are doing, but also are building their responsibility, that is really powerful in helping kids be set up for success. That is a tricky balance. And one of the ways that we can make sure that we're following some good guidelines is really thinking about what is my job as a parent. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that is always our job is being available to our kids to talk about what they're going through. Even if it's something that we counseled them against and tried to set up boundaries so that they wouldn't do, still being available to talk with them about what's going on for them. That is one of the ways that we always keep that that door open. Yeah. And if I teach them now that we will be ready to talk with them when they make mistakes, that they're still going to have to deal with the consequences, but we still love them and we're still here to process then that is going to scale up to when they're experimenting with drugs or making any other choices that are have bigger consequences. Absolutely. I like that concept, scale up. Taking care of yourself means, um, I, I don't take drugs. With, um, blue pants. And with unicorns. I don't eat bad foods, um, I don't. Uh, I don't um, have too much sugar sometimes, and um, I'm just trying to keep my body in good shape by working out and that stuff. And 
That's all I can think of. I was talking to my oldest son, Miles, one day in a moment of desperation. (laughs) Let me set the stage a little bit. I was really frustrated because I tried earlier to get him to care a little bit more about his grades by telling him about closed doors. This is a a favorite speech of mine where (laughs) if my kids are doing something that I feel like is a mistake, I think, no, you just don't want to close any doors to your future. You want to leave all of the doors open, all the possibilities. You don't want to... Uh, negate your ability to apply for something like a scholarship or a school or a program or any kind of opportunity that you might not even foresee because you didn't get good grades, right? That's that's my open door um, rant that I really like. And uh, that hadn't worked, um, but I was looking at this kid and he's so kind. And it wasn't done out of like, I don't care. You can't tell me what to do. It was just, I don't care about this as much as you do. And I want to be respectful, but I don't understand where you're coming from kind of conversation, which is a different kind of conversation to have with your kid than, you know, just a yelling one. And so I took a deep breath and I thought, okay, I'm going to approach this from a different point of view. So what do you want? How do you want to live your life? Who are you surrounded by? What are you doing in the future? You know, what do you spend your days doing? If you can dream, because I thought if he has a dream and it seems concrete, if it seems like it's something that he can achieve and it's based on what he wants, then maybe I can find a connection about how grades will be connected to this dream. And he thought for a second and and we were being really honest with each other. And like I said, it wasn't heated or anything. And he just explained, I, I just want to live in a cabin in the woods with a stack of books and just have it be quiet um, and just, you know, earn enough to live on, but just live a simple, quiet life. You know, I, I mean, I would see my friends and family when I want to, but, you know, kind of on my own terms. But like, wouldn't that be just so wonderful just to have just a little modest cabin in the woods and just be able to read your stack of books all day if you wanted to? Did sound like a nice life, but so different than the life I want and then the life I'm living. I mean, I thought, oh, I'm trying to make a connection here. Yes, I want elements of that life. Like, I want to read all the books I want to, and and, and I want a nice, you know, cozy little home. But, and I just had to pause. Now, and I think it's okay to, to feel uncomfortable that our kids want something we don't want or don't want the same things that we do. And I don't think we should expect our kids to validate our own life choices. I mean, it's nice to have things in common with your kids, your spouse, your friends, but our differences do make things a little bit more interesting. And we can't let sight of that, what we want and how we want it all to be in common because our ego wants validation for our own choices and our life. And even if we think we want better things, we can't force that. It just doesn't matter. And if I can just take a minute just to be really uh, vulnerable for a minute, I, I, on a spiritual level, I really do believe that our heavenly parents knew us before we came to earth, that we had an identity before 
we came here and entrusted us to make choices for ourselves and our lives. And that's actually part of our life's purpose. And so I see this as a sacred privilege my kids have. And sometimes I want to force or coerce or manipulate or guilt them into doing what I want for their own good. But I really try hard not to break that sacred trust. Instead, I try to persuade and love them into trusting in God and in themselves to make the best choices. It's harder to parent that way, I think, but, you know, here we are. And it's also frustrating because we're preparing them for a future that's unknown. We don't know what they'll choose and what will happen to them and what the future holds. So we have to prepare them for anything, and that means that that, you know, we're showing them how to trust themselves to make good decisions. They have to practice it. They can't learn that trust without us trusting them and showing them how to align their values and what they want with their life, their purpose, with, of course, enabling parameters, right, to keep them safe, because we really want them to learn to trust themselves. This is the paradox of self-care and parenting. Sometimes we think that in order to really take care of ourselves, um, we have to to self-sacrifice to be a good parent. That somehow that this is a badge of honor or it proves that we're really taking care of our kids. When the opposite is true, we have to really nurture ourselves and not just for our kids' sake, but for our own sake. Uh, To show our kids that they really matter, we have to model it by saying that we really matter as well, that we have worth and we are worth taking care of as well. And plus, it's more effective because it's modeling what we want, not only for our kids, but for the other loved ones. To really model self-care is giving other people permission to do so as well. But more importantly, it's honoring ourselves. We say this a lot, so sometimes it loses its impact, but it really is true that you are worth it. You are worth being cared for. The Lisa Show is a production of BYU Radio. The show is hosted by Lisa Valentine Clark and is produced by McKay Menden, Becca Hurley, Tabitha Freitas, Michael Combs, Kaya Dibb, and Brooke Soldani. Our music and post production was done by Sam Clausen and Josh Fouts. If you haven't heard it already, our entire self care series is available now. If you know somebody who needs to take better care of themselves, please send them our way. Thank you for listening to The Lisa Show. Stuart, how old are you? Four. Okay. Four poopy. (laughs) Stuart, what does it mean to take care of yourself? Poopy. Can you say something that doesn't have potty talk in it? I don't know. I'm just going to say.